0: Lightning sounds
1: echo through the halls. Whenever candlelights flicker, where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight.
2: Welcome back to Graveyard Shift. This is your host, Frankie Campbell, and with me, as always, Jeremy. Jeremy David <laughs> King. Jeremy, we watched The Exorcist. People heard all about it on Monday. They were like, oh my God, this is the best episode ever. I love when those two guys do a movie review, they make me laugh. And that was a funny episode.
1: I, li- I, I enjoyed recording
2: it. There was so much pudding. So, split pea soup. Split, she was a human can. Maybe it was split pea pudding. Oh, it was just that's, fucking gross. How man. about we? How about we try that one? Would you? Would you drink that for? Not split pea—the actual vomit that looks like that for a million dollars? Oh man, I. I'm gonna go no
1: because. Gonna go no. I mean, remember? Remember how long it took me to to try? Uh, what was that the fake mashed potatoes that you and Alex tried to make me eat that one time?
2: You mean cauliflower mash? Yeah, that's, that's, that's good some, for you.
1: That's some bullshit.
2: Well. Anyway, it's false. so we have the next episode here, and we're going to discuss what's in our own hometown. If you haven't been to St. Louis, you should come out. We got a lot of paranormal things to do. You could go to the zoo.
1: You could visit uh, Lemp Mansion, or you can go to the Exorcist House. You can just
2: go to the Exorcist House. Yeah, go. You know, you can drive by it at least.
1: Yeah, don't don't go knock on the door. It's, it's a private residence. Private
2: residence. We totally do not condone that. Although the owner is a pretty cool
1: guy. Yep, I've, I've been there five times before.
2: And so we wanted to discuss the exorcist house, but before we do that, I think a lot of people in the audience don't really understand possession, how it right. started, who believes in it, what are the signs. And so in this episode, we're actually going to take you through the history of demon possession. Sounds like fun. It does. God. Jeremy, we start off where I'm from, Italy. Oh. Oh guess we invent all the dangerous stuff. Oh, that's cool. And you'd have to go to Camillo Borgesi. Borgesi? Camillo Borgesi. Borgesi. He was Pope Paul V. Is that a V? No, he was born in September 8th. He's a Virgo. Oh. 1550. He died January 28th in 1621.
1: So this dude might have actually known, like, Leonardo da Vinci.
2: Sure, but why is this guy important? He was the Pope from May 16, 1605 to his death in 1621. He is best remembered today as the Pope who persecuted Galileo Galilei.
1: Wow. That's it is, pretty intense.
2: Yeah. It is fitting that the guidelines for exorcism would be written under his watch. So this is actually the Pope that writes the right. He's the one that commissions... How exorcisms are supposed to come to life—that's
1: pretty legit. It and, is legit, and, and so he went after Galileo.
2: Well, a couple times. There yeah. were three times where they persecuted him for being a heretic.
1: Turns out he was probably right.
2: He was right on most accounts, but yeah. at that time, you have to understand that times were different. And so, as oh, we wow. move in, a lot of times people are like, "Oh, it's a Catholic thing. It's a Catholic thing. It's a Catholic thing." And then we have our w- lovely Instagram messages from all these. Fucking weirdos! That keep...
1: <laughs> wow, uh, you know.
2: Do you believe in exorcism? I have a witch board, and it's an old witch coming through, and she's telling you know what, lady.
1: How about how about take a take a doll and uh, try and get possessed, and then send it to me. Oh yeah, remember that one? That was a crazy yeah. one too. He, but this one us.
2: particularly said that. That even, like, the Warrens were heretics, and they were charla- oh, yeah. charlatans, charlatans, and all they did it was for money. Lorraine
1: and was there for a, a money grab. When
2: they it. had Martin Malachi, who we'll get into here in a second. And Martin Malachi believed strongly in Lorraine Warren. And right. But before we get into the Catholic stuff, I think that's really—the Exorcist movie really focuses on the Jesuits. Right. St. Louis houses the Jesuit brothers as well. Right. You know, the Alexian brothers. Yeah, the St. Louis, Louis University. St. Louis University was, yeah. is all Jesuits. But there are other actual cultures that have demonic spirits and it's Hindu and Buddhist. And the age the age old idea that people can be afflicted by otherworldly spirits is prevalent in nearly all cultures. All, yeah,
1: even and I think it's even prevalent in Wiccan. Yeah. I mean they don't necessarily think it's a it's a demon, but it's it's uh, like an evil spirit that takes you over.
2: Sure. According to David Frankfurter, it's an actual last name.
1: You you like that last name? I too.
2: do. I'm called Frank Frankfurter alive, yeah. which is funny. Professor of religion at Boston University, and author of Evil Incarnate: Rumors of Demonic Conspiracy and Satan, Titanic Abuse in History. You should pick up this book. Everybody picks up demonology, or they go on one ghost hunt, and the next ghost hunt they're suddenly the demonologist.
1: Yeah, there's a, that happens a lot. Yeah,
2: happens a lot with PTF. Um, it takes <laughs> it takes time. Yeah. So many frauds. So, oh my God, yeah, how many, how many, yeah, that really, wow, well, you're a demonologist already. Why well, you read, you read demonology from Lorraine's. Okay.
1: And now you're all of a sudden, uh, you're also sensitive.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that happens a lot too. Me too. Yeah, I one-on-one ghost hunt, I'm sensitive, and I'm a demonologist. Yep.
1: I'm a sensitive demonologist. Yeah. I, I only work with, uh, you know, demons who are, are having emotional problems. Of course. Yeah.
2: In... In his book, which I encourage people, yes, read Demonology, but I encourage you to read this book. It's called Evil Incarnate, Rumors of Demonic Conspiracy and Satanic Abuse in History. He highlights some of the famed religions, including Mm -hmm. Judaism, demonic spirits in Judaism. Judaism has never had a richly developed notion of demons, but Jewish folklore does speak of troubles caused by unhappy or angry spirits, malevolent spirits (laughs) called Shadim, can wreak havoc in a person's life and even set foot inside a home, Jeremy. Uh Parts of the Talmud advised Jews to put ashes on the floor of the bedrooms in order to capture the imprint of Shadim's feet. Which is
1: ironic because some people still use that type of thing, you know, with like baby powder or whatever to actually catch footprints of ghosts.
2: Yeah, and it actually is a little talcum part down the hallway is actually a great way to, you know, that's, that's what I was telling you about, like this EMF. And I know that you guys buy into it and, and you know, people that are listening that constantly but, listen to our show.
1: But I don't believe that EMF is the ghost. I think that's, I think it's available. It's I don't available, think it's the ghost either. What I'm saying is that EMF
2: EMF is a real thing. Yeah. But EMF can also make you hallucinate oh i don't disagree if you with have that a god helmet on and you're pumping emf in your fucking brain just and you see something the chances of it being hallucination versus an actual entity are about 99.9 percent. because it's what it does
1: i'm just saying i mean i think it can go either way
2: there's science and then you saying something sorry or I'm never going to agree on this subject with you. I'm just not. You don't. There's no history in thermodynamics that says that when you die, your energy transfers and becomes EMF. If there's no EMF in us now, there's no EMF. Oh, when we I die.
1: don't think the, I don't think that the spirit is EMF. That I don't. I don't think that at all. I think that registering that is actually something that the spirit can use to manifest. It's an available energy source moving
2: on demonic spirits in islam Mm -hmm. the quran refers to jinn invisible beings with fiery personalities who live in the world but in another dimension although the islamic holy text suggests that some of these creatures can renounce their evil ways it is believed that most fall prey to their mischievous natures jinn share many characteristics with humans they are born they die, and they have the ability to fall in love, but they can also fly through the air and shape shift. Well, many a Muslim, different. huh?
1: <laughs> that's a little different. <laughs> it's a little different.
2: Yeah, I wish that could happen. Many we can fly in the air in a plane. Yep. Many Muslims blame jinn for bad things that have happened in their lives. In Islam and many religions that originated in actual Asia, uh, spirits are largely willful beings that can be swayed by their own good or evil desires. People approach them with caution and attempt to determine what the spirit is, what it needs, and why is it present
1: i actually i, I think even what we deal with is is similar to that I think they the intelligent haunts have their their kind of their own free will
2: I believe more in a dimensional i lean toward Islam in this respect because. I don't think that people, the incarnate, can talk, speak, and talk. To, I just don't. It's hard for me to buy that, that that ghost is... What if it's still 1853 in a parallel dimension, right? and the kid that you're talking to is still alive in another dimension? We've actually What if they're on a before, fucking Ouija yeah. board doing the same fucking thing?
1: I, I, I think that is a possibility. I think that, you know, I can't rule it out. I can't rule it out because I think it makes sense.
2: Yeah. I yeah. mean, definitely. But, Jeremy... And you'll basically lead the charge in the actual St. Louis episode. I think giving viewers and and audiences, because this is one of our presentations that we actually do in St. Louis, is kind of the breadth of why demonic possession is such a big thing in the Christian culture, right? Right. The Christian circles. So in Christianity, these spiritual forces are polarized. Uh, According to Frankfurter, that's the same guy that wrote (laughs) that book, Christians believe that the spirits are either the embodiment of all that is good in the world, like the Holy Spirit, or completely evil. Right. Like the fallen angel, Lucifer. Fun dude. As delicates as Satan, all demons are sent out to torment and tempt believers away from the path of faith. Pope Francis had paid special attention to demons. That's our pope right now. If you're not Catholic, Pope Francis is our pope right now. He's, he's kinda, the Papa John's.
1: He's kind of <laughs> made some waves with some of the things that he's done. Sure. He's, yeah. he, I mean, you know. He's he, an active pope.
2: He literally said here, he's paid special attention to demons, warning his flock to look out because the devil is present. Earlier this year, the Latin American pontiff officially recognized an international group of church-sanctioned exorcists, priests whom the Vatican believes have the power to cast out the devil. The International Association of Exorcists has approximately 350 exorcists working across 30 nations. Pope Francis recently lauded the group for displaying the church's love for the possessed.
1: That's some tough stuff there, man. Like the fact that, you know, they're actually coming out and saying, you know, the Catholic Church, which, I mean, it's like their own little country over there. They're coming out and being like, hey, this is real. Uh, We used to hide. Now we're out here. It's out here, and we're here to uh, battle it.
2: But don't take it from us, Jeremy. You can take it from the actual words of an exorcist father under the father of Morte and the brothers of black and the purple order from the actual Rome. And it's father, Cesar Truque. He's an exorcist. Truque. We're going to hear from him right now.
3: We see that Christ, he was the first exorcist. He has many encounters with, with persons that were possessed by the devil. We can read this in scripture. And uh, he was able to cast out demons. Then he gave this power to his disciples. The disciples were also able to cast out demons. No one may lawfully exorcise the possessed without the special and express permission of the local ordinary. Jesus performed exorcisms, and from him the church has received the power and office of exorcising. The solemn exorcism, called a major exorcism, can be performed only by a priest and with the permission of the bishop. The priest must proceed with prudence, strictly observing the rules established by the church. Illness, especially psychological illness, is a very different matter. Treating this is the concern of medical science. Therefore, before an exorcism is performed, it is important to ascertain that one is dealing with the presence of the evil one and not with an illness.
2: So that's coming from an actual exorcist in the Vatican. Mistakes are happening, though, Jeremy, within possession circles, as we've read before, the case of Emily Rose, which later became...
1: Uh, well, her real name was Annalisa Michelle.
2: Correct.
0: Annalisa Mikkel died of starvation at 23, a religious student who spoke in strange voices. Doctors said she had epilepsy, but she thought it was the devil. And so did a panel of priests who recorded the voices. The priests who followed this 17th century ritual believe that it worked, that Annalisa was spiritually healed when she died. But a Bavarian prosecutor says this bishop who authorized the exorcism, the priests who performed it, and the parents who allowed it could face criminal neglect charges for failing to get medical help for the starving woman. With science, you start with an open tablet, an open slate and everything is included and you just go along and exclude different variables as you can. Each one was very different, each one was very specific and individualized. Um, So I would try to rule out mental illness uh, and just rule out different factors, uh, cognitive functioning, uh, any psychotropic medications, uh, ill side effects that they may be experiencing, if at all.
3: I'm not afraid of skeptics because I'm, I'm also a skeptic on myself. I don't believe any, just any person that, say, that arrives, oh, I'm possessed. No, 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 I'm very skeptical. And a normal priest should be, in, a very, in, a, in the truth sense, very skeptical to really grasp what it is. And I can tell you that in my experience as, as um, an exorcist. More than 90% of the person that arrived to me as an exorcist telling me that they have problems with the devil, they have no problems with the devil at all. People say they're possessed
0: all the time. It doesn't make it true You have to rule it out or rule it in
2: and if you are interested in the mistakes that are happening You can read a couple different cases. The Vatican has just set up a new exorcism training course Following an alleged increase in demonic possession according to the Sicilian priest and exorcist Panigio balia Speaking on Vatican radio. There are half a million cases reported in Italy yearly and the demand for assistance has tripled To claim that such a large number of Italians have been inadvertently contaminated by Satan, like some paranormal STD, is a significant apparition on a nation of 60 million people. Palella lays the blame on people who visit fortune tellers and tarot readers. These practices open the door to the devil and to possession by way of invitation. A quick breeze around the Catholic Herald website certainly confirms that exorcisms is a live topic And in 2014, the Vatican officially recognized the International Association of Exorcists. So what's the problem? The first is that people get hurt, really hurt. Recent UK government statistics suggest that almost 1,500 child abuse cases a year are linked to notions of witchcraft and demonic possession. The Metropolitan Police Project Violet was set up to explore child abuse connected to spiritual beliefs. I have written about Nigeria's witch children. And there was the recent horrific case in Nicaragua of Vilma Trujillo, who died after being burned alive. This all demonstrates that the danger is neither localized nor irrelevant to the ancient demon world.
1: I mean, you know, you can step back in time a couple of centuries and and see that happened in Salem and the U.S. and it was happening in Europe. And it's really, is it any different than what's going on now? I mean, it's really not. There was a lot of a lot of, you know, the the spiritual or religious beliefs were leading these people to,
2: literally kill people. You know, sometimes evil's invented, but sometimes evil is is real. And in these cases, sometimes the thought of these things are real. I mean, if you you can look up this case, it's a real case in Nicaragua. It's a Vilma Trujillo. All right, the exorcism that turned into murder is the name of the entire case file. Uh, it's pretty sad. It's 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 gripping. The other case that that when you look at from, I think that you you mentioned it, it was perfect, is uh, uh, Pierre de Lecran. Do you remember him?
1: Uh, I think I mentioned that before, yeah. Yeah.
2: Pierre de Lancres was a witch hunts of Laborde, France. Okay. Uh, A quick look at history demonstrates how just one educated yet gullible fool can wreak havoc. And the witch hunts of Laborde in France in 1609, Pierre de Lecran brought at least 70 people to the stake. There are many more career witch hunters of whom similar stories can be told. Aaron Menke has covered a lot of these different people. But this guy, Pierre, 70 people burned at the stake. Now, no witch, to our knowledge, in the history of America has ever been burned at a stake in America, on American soil. No. Most of them were hung drowned or pressed
1: i think giles corey was the only one who was pressed yeah. at least for you know being in sailing
2: yeah and this is the same witch hunts that are going on the real witch hunts right that are going on in today's world we live in america we are surrounded by a lot of candy we're a very candy-coated society. This is why millennials and Gen Xers have so many problems with the world and feelings and emotions. When you step outside the sugarcoating of America that's that's housed these little helicopter children, there are actually real things going on right. in real countries. This was 2014 Nicaragua. They burned somebody at the stake. Right. This is a real thing that happened within the last five years. And that's fucking scary. That's a real problem that we're having. And so as we dive deeper into... The history of this, you can go on go online and watch videos of the evangelicals, like Bob Larson, who's pretty much insane. Uh, we balance freedom of speech and belief against the potential for harm. I would focus on professional exorcists and their fees. The consumer protection from unfair trading regulations covers psychic services, but not exorcism. Where exorcism is charged for, it should be against the law. You shouldn't charge for any fairy dust, and you shouldn't charge for to expel demons. And so this is where that whole debate was. Right. Did the Warrens charge? Is there proof that they charged for their investigations? I think it, in most cases, if they were being charged, it's because they had to go and fly to fucking Europe. Who was going to pay their bills? Right. Who, who was going to sustain them? So I don't know that they had a menu of things that you wanted from them. But if you did contact them, there's a, there's a level of profit that... People, this is where they get charlatan. I've only heard one person say it, and it's a person that has like one follower on on Instagram, but it still kind of unnerved me because the Warrens are still the most respected. Right. I mean, we we can argue all day long with PTF, and I think and a lot of other groups in paranormal, and we do, about orbs and shit. Yeah. But moisture and dust changed my mind. You can't.
1: Particulate matter. Particulate (laughs) matter.
2: That happens with lenses. Mostly you can catch them with the shittiest cameras, pick up the best orbs. So get a shitty camera if you want orbs. Right. The more beautiful camera, like my pure cameras, you're never going to get orbs. I'm sorry, we've we've eliminated them. Right. uh, Through science, technology, and money. But when you look at people charging for services like this, you got to be wary of that. First and foremost, one of the first rules of possession, in and of itself, right, is (laughs) the idea that people say they're possessed.
1: Yeah, they don't know they're possessed. Like, that's not... If you're if you're screaming at somebody at three in the morning, I need an exorcism, you're probably, you know, you have a psychological problem.
2: Yeah. One of the best to do it ever was Malachi Martin. You might have heard his name. He wrote a book called Hostage to the Devil, which once again, if you're gonna pick up Frank Furter's book, and you want to read more about this subject, yes, read Demonology. There's nothing wrong with the Warrens book. But what I'm saying is you just don't read one book and become an expert. You have to read right. miles and miles of history on this stuff. Malachi Martin's book, Hostage to the Devil, eventually became a documentary. Mm-hmm. And that, that quote from Trejulo or uh, Trikay, the priest, comes from that m- yeah. movie. So it's on Netflix. It's, it's a great, great documentary. One of the, the big guy that I think produced is a CIA agent. It's the real deal uh martin malachi was the real deal in my opinion he was born uh july 23rd 1921 he died july 27th 1999 occasionally writing under the pseudo michael Serafian. so you have to look for that name sometimes michael Serafian, it was his writing name he was an irish catholic priest and writer of the catholic church uh, originally ordained as a jesuit priest he became professor of paleography at the vatican's pontifical bible institute From 1958, he served as a secretary to Cardinal Augustine Bay during preparations for the Second Vatican Council. Disillusioned by Vatican II, he asked to be released from certain aspects of his Jesuit vows in 1964 and moved to New York City, where he later became an American citizen. His 17 novels and nonfiction books were frequently critical of the Vatican hierarchy, whom he believed had failed to act on the third prophecy revealed by the Virgin Mary at Fatima. Among his most significant works were the scribble character of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the 1958 Hostage to the Devil, 1976, which dealt with Satanism, demonic possession, and exorcism. The Final Conclave, 1978, was a warning against Soviet spies in the Vatican. Martin Malachi was a very highly, I guess, conspiracy theorist. Right. But the fact that he was on the ground in the Vatican gives a lot of his presidents. He
1: was there. I mean, he so, witnessed it, right? So it's hard to refute somebody who was there firsthand.
2: Yeah. Also, when you look at when you have a Malachi Martin and you and you listen to the works he did and the help that he did, he succumbs to to dying. He he dies a lot like the movie The Exorcist. Right. He talks about the 1949 St. Louis case that was a little out of his. I mean, he was born 21. He was still in the Vatican at that point. He doesn't move to New York till like, 58, 64. Right. So he's, he knows about the case. He believes in the case. The Warrens knew about the case. They, they were aware of it. And so I think that, you know, Martin Malachi's involvement, from the historic standpoint of what he did, they believe in it. And the documentary, I mean, spoiler alert, but the documentary will tell you that that entire documentary leads toward the death of Martin Malachi by a demon.
1: Right. Because it's kind of what they believe is... The
2: demon possession is
1: really not about the person who's possessed. It's about using that person to get to the priests. Like they're, you know, it's a a, a
2: tactical move. Yeah, it definitely is.
4: The real uh, horror, the real pain, well, what, what hurts in possession is the presence of the evil one. And when we start an exorcism, within the first 20 minutes, we know. Whether it's genuine or not, suddenly it becomes evident, palpably evident. It's like an invisible animal clawing at you with the claws you can't you can't escape. There are physical manifestations like changing temperature, the smells, odors, objects flying around, and then the violence on the part of the possessed person at times. They have to be held up, that's why you have assistance to are not afraid a lot of people the moment they enter their first exorcism it scares them it's the most unhealthy insalubrious mucky dirty inhuman activity you could participate in but we must in order to say these people not the exorcist and his assistant and the possessed person we're in the presence of something that hates us in a way that you've never felt hated before
2: And so as we move from one segment of kind of the history, looking at all the religions and all how possession, it really does affect, I mean, the Catholics and the Christians kind of own the possession thing. Even if you're non-faith-based and you think that something else is going on, there are levels of understanding what's involved in an exorcism. And there's stages. The Vatican needs proof to send people out because, like the case we just mentioned in Germany, People can die if they have right. a nervous condition like Tourette syndrome. So right. there's a lot of different conditions that arise in these cases.
1: And they believe that Annalisa Michelle actually had schizophrenia. I mean, that's you know obviously that's post mortem, but they believe that's why she was doing the thing she did.
2: Yeah, and so the admission of possession in one's body is a very delicate topic for the Roman Catholic Church. There are numerous stages a person must go through for the Vatican to approve the canon law practice. Originally, the guidelines for exorcism were written in 1614 by no other than our first, you know, our, our first statement here, which was Pope Paul V. In recent years, the uptick in possession has risen to numbers not seen in any generation. Ninety percent of cases are debunked easily. But the practice of exorcism needs to follow the following to be approved. The case of Ronald Edwin Hunkler, the St. Louis haunted boy, as he's been known in some books. Right. In some circles. Continues to evade the truth about the signs he showed. He only had three of the four. Correct. His ruling today would not have been approved without further evidence. This is true. And so just so you know, we set it up. Do you want to go through the four or should we have a priest say it?
1: We're well, going to have a priest say eh? it. Why not from the horse's mouth?
3: Uh, one of the realities or characteristics that you need to, to see if a person is possessed is one of the signs. You need four signs. An extraordinary strength, the knowledge of ancient languages, fear of sacred things, and the knowledge of hidden or very far away things. I think that the three first can be invented. I can <clears throat> fake an extraordinary force. I can talk to you in Latin or Greek because I remember it from school. I can I can fake that uh, that I'm afraid of the crucifix. I can fake it. But what I cannot invent or cannot fake is to know things that really happened in your life that is just absolutely impossible for me to know.
0: Well you always go to the common sense well maybe she overheard us talking or she heard a conversation that we had or maybe her, her mother knew something about us that you know she just inadvertently you know blurted out to her maybe she read something about us on the internet on the website. You know, you, you try to have those common sense approaches to things, but sometimes you just know there's no way they could have known that. You know, there are very personal things about our families, personal events that have happened, like, say, that morning. There's no possible way. You know, something I didn't even talk about with my colleagues. How would they know that? I can't explain it.
1: So all things, you know, those are the things the church needs to actually you know, perform an exorcism. Uh, and, you know, as do we want to discuss Ronald?
2: No, we're going to get into the next episode. This All was right. kind of like a brief kind of a history as to what you're getting into. I mean, it's, it's not something that is poetic and it's not contrived. It's not conjecture. It's a real rite of the religion, right? Few priests are allowed to be a part of that order. Uh, Father Amort did pass away recently. Uh, Fredkin actually did a documentary. It's called Father Amort and the, and the Devil. It's not a, the, his best work. It, no. There's some conjecture toward the end there where they... So we're going to tape the uh,
1: the exorcism, but you can't bring cameras in. Uh,
2: well, they show one exorcism of the same woman, and then that same woman allegedly slithers around the church. Right. And they have no cameras on it. And... Had they had that, that would have been pretty incredible. but once again, with everything you you get your wild flock of people trying to um, you know, convince the world
1: and you could also you know go in and say that if it's real and the devil knows that. He's not going to perform on camera for you.
2: Right. So as part of our Halloween series, what we've been trying to do here is kind of inform you guys, educate you guys a little bit on the possession native of it. That is basically the roots of how it all starts. It's 1615. It's Pope Paul V. He's the one that enacts the order for it. Now, was there a level of control in doing this? Absolutely. But there was there also, you know, the, the rites written about how Sorry. Jesus did stuff? Sure. You have a lot of different... Ideas on how the the break of the situation is they are actually reading from the right in the movie People that own that book like PTF and other paranormal groups Give that book back to the Catholic Church. Number one first and foremost, it's not a relic and it's not something you collect It's given to priests that spend over nine years in seminary school and have to learn over five to eight different languages It's not something you toy around with it's not something you have fun with it's not something that you show off to It's an actual order of men that go out there into third world countries and try to save people from demons That is what that book represents Everything that that book is was earned and it was earned by taking vows of poverty by taking vows of abstinence by taking vows of selflessness To others for the mercy of it Owning it and showing it off like you're you're somebody rad is theft. No one is supposed to own that book. That is not something you can pick up on a Catholic bookstore. It's not something you can pick up in a rectory. It is to be given, and if you ever see one, take it and give it to a Catholic church. That's not stealing. That's giving back. From all of us here at Graveyard Shift, I'm Frankie Campoletta. And I'm Jeremy David King. Join us next time when we talk about the 1949 exorcism of Ronald Edwin Hunkler. And don't forget to rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen on. Give us some ratings, people. It helps the show.
1: Also, uh, you know, reach out to us. Reach Leave out us to a us. message.
2: Canberra House reached out to us, four-hour drive. We drove there, did an investigation, did a great show. Yep. Don't be afraid. And even if you're a little wacko, you can still reach out to us. We, yeah. we like to make fun of you on this show. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later.
1: Adios. Secret doors creak and the tombstones quake
4: Spooks of mouth swing and wake Happy haunts materialize And begin to vocalize Grim-griming ghosts are to, to socialize, socialize.